Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We are in week three of our Unstuck series. Being stuck is not nice. It's not a nice feeling. Who would agree? Just a couple of you, good. It's not a nice way to live. It's, um, it's uncomfortable, but I think all of us have seasons, if we're honest, where we feel stuck. And it might be in our job, just can't seem to get ahead there, or it might be in a relationship, or it might be in our head. A lot of the time we are stuck in our head, firstly, and that's where it needs to change, if anything else is going to change. Or a circumstance that doesn't seem to be changing. So our prayer for you this month is that you would find some keys to getting unstuck. Because I know this, if you are stuck, God wants you unstuck. I know that to be true. Jesus came to bring freedom and release to every person. Galatians 5 says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. Therefore, keep standing firm. Don't go back. Keep standing firm. There is no hidden agenda in the freedom Christ brings to us. He simply wants us to live free. That's what he wants. There's this beautiful psalm, Psalm 18. It says this, he brought me forth into a broad place. He rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. God just wants you free. He wants you living in a broad place. So, you can be free. So today I want to talk about the importance that endings or change can be to help us get unstuck. Endings. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I have a love-hate relationship with endings. I want to get to the end of a great book because I want to know how it ends. I I want to get to the end of a movie or a miniseries. I want to see how the mystery, the crime mystery was solved. Any crime mystery watchers today? Yeah, you want to get to the end because you want to see how it, how it all ties up. I want to get to the end of the romantic movie that I have to watch by myself because my husband doesn't refuses to watch them with me. Oh, who feels sorry for me? It's okay. I did go to him with him to see Terminator, the latest, and I may have pulled my phone out in the last five minutes because I thought, really, does it have to go on for that long? <laughs> Come on, Arnie, just, just die already. <laughs> but anyway, I'm digressing. I want to get to the end of the romantic comedy because I want to see them get together and live happily ever after, or I want to get to the end of the dessert competition because I want to see who wins. Anyone else watch those shows? Yes, so you get what I'm talking about. But I also don't want to get to the end. Because that means the great book, the miniseries, the the movie competition. It's finished. It's complete. It's done. It's over. And now what am I going to do? How am I going to unwind? When we got to the end of The West Wing, I know, right? Yeah, it was 20 years ago, so most of you are too young to even know it existed. But you need to watch it. 
So what did we do when we got to the end? We watched it again. <laughs> oh, but we had some years in between. Now that way of thinking, it's, it's fairly benign when I'm talking about the entertainment in my life. But if I resist embracing endings, or if I refuse to allow change in my life, I will find myself stuck. Endings and change are a normal part of life. They aren't necessarily bad. They they are a part of the cycle of life. Ecclesiastes says this, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, it's not now, and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep And I say to my husband, this is what happened when we got married, a time to throw away all of the clothes you should never have worn. (laughs) Any other married people have that happen? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. When we are stuck, I'm going to get serious now, because an ending is needed, no amount of trying harder or pushing harder is going to make a difference. When we're stuck because an ending is needed, no amount of trying harder or pushing harder is going to make a difference. We have to change something. If the horse is dead, dismount. (laughs) Right. You will have heard this definition of insanity. It is one definition of insanity. To keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. You've heard that? To keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. So that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the role that refusing to end something or change something that is clearly not working, how refusing to end it keeps us stuck in life. So I wanna look at two specific things that we must deal with to get unstuck. We must change. The first thing, which I would have said, you know, usually happens to people when they hit their 40s and that can happen to people when they hit their 40s and their 50s, but it seems to be happening a lot, young, a lot earlier in life these days, is cynicism. And cynicism will keep us stuck. It will keep us totally stuck. And more and more people, younger and younger, are becoming cynical. Have you met a cynical person? Yes. A person who has their heart broken so many times that they now think that no one can be trusted. Maybe someone you knew at university who who chose a specific career path because they wanted to help people, but now are convinced that everyone's in it for themselves, so they are too. You know, that just, you got that stance about you. An ex-churchgoer who got offended at something someone did or said and has written church off as unnecessary or unimportant. A teammate at work who shoots down any idea you bring because they're just cynical. No, that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. 
They may all have really good reasons why they are cynical, but the truth is they're stuck in that cynicism. Okay, so let's, that's them. Let's take it a little bit closer. Let's look a little bit closer to home now. Cynicism isn't just something that other people experience. You may find it growing inside you. Things happen and we can slide into cynicism. We may be feel, maybe we feel shocked or angry or heartbroken about something that has happened, something that hasn't worked out. And a voice in our head says, so, you invested. That, that, that investment, that was a total waste of time. That was a total waste of energy. So do not invest in people anymore. If those people let you down, others will too. So don't, just don't care like you used to. Don't give of yourself like you used to. People will just use you and reject you because that's what a cynical person believes. Cynicism starts because you genuinely tried to help and in the end you got burnt. It begins not because you don't care but because you actually do care, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It starts because you pour your heart into something and you, get, you got little in return. Or maybe you got something in return but it actually was the opposite of what you were hoping for. And so you're disappointed and have become cynical. You fell in love only to have that relationship dissolve. You threw your heart into your job only to be told you're being let go. You started off all starry-eyed and positive, and, but now you know better. To protect ourselves from future hurt, we, when we get to that point, we start to guard our heart and shelter our soul, and we can become jaded. And what happens at that point is we are stuck. If you hear me talking today and you think, Oh, that might be me. If you realize that you may have become cynical, what's the answer? The answer is turn to God. He's your answer. He's your answer. Don't turn to other people, turn to God. Psalm 139 says this God, God, I'm turning to you, God. God, I invite you. I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you because that's where we always want to be. We want to be on the path that brings us back to him. If we are feeling disappointed and cynical and jaded, the answer is to genuinely invite God to search our heart, to examine what's really going on, and to find anything that's hidden and needs to be dealt with, anything that needs to be healed, if there is something there that needs to be looked at and we genuinely seek God and say, God, I invite you to come. 
we can be confident that he will show us. Is that me? That's me. I remember when I realized, because we don't always realize these things, which is not a bad thing because it means we're not just navel-gazing our whole life away, which is not a good thing. But I remember sitting in a service and hearing someone say, God is good. And my reaction was, yeah, well, he's good to some. He's good to some. Which basically was what I was, what I was saying, what was coming out of my heart. Well, <laughs> he's not good to me. And when I heard myself say that, I thought, oh, there's a key. <laughs> oh, I need to let God search my heart. I need to let God into my heart. And my heart needed God's touch. Verse 24 of that, that scripture I just read says, see if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on. Because when we get cynical and disappointed and jaded, the path we are walking on is painful. Would you agree? It's a painful path, and it's not God's path. It's, it's the path that does not take us to him. It takes us away from him. And if we will actually turn back and invite him, if we will invite him to, to get into what's going on, we'll find freedom and healing and we'll get unstuck. We want you unstuck. I want to be unstuck. Who likes to be stuck? Not me. Okay, so that's cynicism. The second thing, hope is an amazing, wonderful, incredible thing that we all need. But there is something called false hope. And I want to talk about that today. Because false hope will keep you stuck. And if you are hoping in something that is not reality today, I'm going to say something that's going to sound lacking in faith, but I'm not meaning to sound lacking in faith because I believe in faith with all my heart. If you are putting your faith in something that is false hope, then you need to get hopeless. Hope is one of the most powerful things that we can have and we can endure almost anything if we are, have hope because hope keeps us going. Hope convinces us that a better day is coming and we need it. And the Bible says that God is the God of hope. Without hope, we will accomplish very little in life. If we look at the difficult circumstances in our life without hope, we won't have the motivation to keep persevering through them. Things of value are accomplished because we keep going past the moment where we think all is lost and we hold on to hope and we keep going and we keep going and then we get what we've been hoping for, right? Who's had that happen in their life? Yes, so you know what I'm talking about. I remember it was, oh, 
It was January last year. We were, Paul and I had a, something that was huge in our world for us that we were struggling with. I went to bed on a Saturday night. I slept for about an hour and I just woke up and I thought, wow, God, I think this might be too big for you. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that to God? But I thought, thought that actually there's no hope. And the Holy Spirit said to me very clearly, when there was no reason for hope, Abraham hoped anyway. That's what he said. And when I heard that, hope came back. And I went, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to keep hoping. And I'm still hoping. And I'm still believing. There was a POW that went through the, uh, the war in Vietnam. His name was James Stockdale. And he said this, hope is the requirement for survival and winning. When he talked about his experience as a POW, he said he had to recognize how bad things were. He had to get to the reality of the situation. We all need to do that. But at the same time, keep hope going. No matter how long it took to come to pass. And Abraham did the same thing in Romans 4. He said, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him. Now that's important. His hope wasn't based on nothing. For God had said to him that he would become. This is how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was. 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. So he looked at the reality of his own body and his wife's body, but when there was no reason to hope, he kept hoping anyway, because God said. Hope causes us, hope causes us to hold on, sometimes for a really long time. Is anyone in the middle of a holding on phase of their life? Good. It's hard. <laughs> Keep going. The guy who started Amazon, his name was Jeff. It took seven years before Amazon made a profit. And the investors and the market were losing hope. But he continued to have hope and convinced others to have hope as well. And he was right to do that because the ones who lost hope were wrong. True? taken over the world. Amazon is alive and thriving today, partly because he did not lose hope. So, can you see how powerful hope is? Some of you. Can you see how powerful hope is? Yes, great. But you know what, there is something called false hope. And false hope will keep you stuck until you get, and until you get to the point of hopelessness, you will not get unstuck. Let me explain. This is a real life story about a situation of a person who is not in our church, who was living in a false reality. They were living with false hope. And they contacted me and said, Mel, can you please come 
and talk to me. I need to talk to someone. This person had been, for two years, had put their life on hold, basically, because of a relationship they were hoping for. And in their head, they had married this person, they had obviously moved in with this person, they had children with this person, they were in the extended family of this person. They had even started a church together in their head. They had refused to leave the city that they were living in because the person that they were gonna marry was in the city and they had job offers to go to other parts of the nation but they didn't do it because of this hope that they were holding on to. And I knew both of the people in this scenario. And I had to tell this person who asked me to come, I had to say, you have to let this go because you are stuck because this is a false hope. This is not reality. There is no reality in what you are believing. What they were hoping for was not based on reality. They had convinced themselves of things that were not true. False hope keeps us tied to something that is not ever gonna happen. The definition of insanity is continuing to do something and expect a different result. Two years was, go was two years. The other person was not interested in them. Am I being too harsh? I know a real life example of a person who was married to an addict who finally realized that their attempts to fix the situation were not working. Now can I just, here's a disclaimer here. We believe in marriage in this church. With all our heart, we believe that two Christians together who want to make it happen, you just keep going because God will make it happen, okay? But this person, once this person who was married to an addict finally gave up hope that what they were doing was gonna help, they were able to see the possibilities that, what, so that they were actually able to help. Does that make sense? How about you? Are there ways of thinking, things that you are wishing on and waiting on, are they keeping you stuck because they're not based in reality? Are you telling yourself stories that are not true? Have you convinced yourself of something and you need to get hopeless? Some people with an addiction tell themselves it's okay, I, I, I've, I've got this, I've got this, when clearly they haven't and they need help. Until they get to the point, that point, nothing is gonna change. If we start to see things for how they are, we actually open ourselves up to the biggest opportunity in our lives. Did you get that? 
If we start to see things for how they really are, we open ourselves up for the biggest opportunity in our lives. Because once we start to see things for how they are, we can begin to find a solution to the problem. A real way through that has more of a chance of working so that we can get unstuck and start living. I remember when I was just so stuck in disappointment and the Holy Spirit said to me, you've just got to stop blaming everyone else and own up to your part. Oh, thanks God. But I was stuck. We have two Jack Russells, Harry and George. And they used to be young and crazy, now they're old and they just lie there. Before Harry met George, he didn't meet Sally. He met Darcy, because Darcy was the first dog. When Darcy was nine months old, you guys can come up, Ben. When Darcy was nine months old, I was taking Emma and Nathan to youth on a Friday night, and Darcy escaped because he was an insane dog. He wasn't crazy, he was insane. And he escaped out of our front door. And he decided to run along the side of the car as I was driving. And then all of a sudden there was a gunk gunk. This is a true story. It's a very sad. I'm sorry if I've <laughs> caused you pain. So Emma and Nathan were youth age and they were in the car and I had just run over their dog. So we stopped the car, got out of the car, picked up Darcy, and Emma had Darcy on her knee while I, we drove to the vet. And Darcy was going, <coughs> I'll never forget it. Either will they. They still tell me how much they are scarred by the experience. I say, just add it to the list, guys. <laughs> anyway. So... They put, the, they put Darcy down because there was nothing they could do for him. And we brought him home. And we had Harry at home at that point. Darcy was the top dog, Harry was the second. You know, they have their peaking order in animal kingdom. Actually, Paul was the top dog, still is, for the dogs. He is the king. Anyway, we put Darcy on this blanket on the floor in the family room because we wanted to take him and bury him the next day. It was, it was dark, it was late. And we were all crying and it was very sad. And so Harry came out and he just sat next to Darcy. He just sat there. He just sat there. And he sat there all night because he was waiting for Darcy to wake up. Now, that was a false reality because <laughs> Darcy wasn't waking up. And the point I'm trying to make today, have you put all that you have into a false reality? And are you sitting next to something that is dead? And you, 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 you're not going to get unstuck until you actually see it for what it really is. The reason why Abraham 
hoped when there was no reason for hope was because God had said, God had said, you will be a father. Now, if God hasn't said it, you can't put your hope in it. Even if you wish it and, and like, you just think, oh, please, please. Like, like, you're just stuck until you start to see. And if you see it clearly, you can actually do something to change it. Your future's waiting. Your next season is waiting. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.